Good evening and welcome to our Bible study. And if you have your Bibles ready, please turn with me to the book of Revelation, Revelations chapter 9, and we're going to read from verse 13 through to 21. Revelation 9 verse 13. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the horns of the golden altar. That is, before God it said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mounted troops was two hundred million. I heard their number. The horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue and yellow as sulphur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke and sulphur. A third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke and sulphur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and their tails for their tails were like snakes having heads which, with which they inflicted injury. The rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshipping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze and stone and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, and their sexual immorality, or their thefts. Let's pray before we come to this passage. Our Father, we just come to you again in, in, in the power of your Holy Spirit, that he might just speak to us through these words, that we might understand more of what is being said here, and how it affects us in our day. Our Father, we just ask your continued blessing upon us as we gather around your word in your name. And in your name we ask it. Amen. Well, this chapter 9 of Revelation, we come to the latter part of it, verse 13 through to 21, where we have the sixth trumpet. Now, in 13 through to 15, the, the visions here, I want us to understand that they are in chronological order but the events are not. So in verse 16, the sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice come from the four corners of the golden altar that is before God. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Here, John is listening to the voice of God. And he hears the instruction given to the sixth angel to release the four angels who are being held back from their efforts of bringing destruction to the earth. Now, does this remind you of what we read in chapter 6 when John saw the first four seals opened, four horsemen were held back from bringing persecution to the church until God had sealed his church? 
And in the foreknowledge of God, his church was sealed when Jesus died and rose again. When we came to chapter 7, verse 1 to 3 tells us what happened before the four horsemen in chapter 6 are allowed to deliver their suffering on the church. That same same chapter 7 that I've just mentioned, verse 1 to 3, this is what it said. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and sea. Do not harm the land or sea or trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. You see, this judgment is limited. And when we see it, we're not seeing God's final judgment, but we do see an expression of God's justice prior to his final judgment. Now, the rest of chapter 7, that's verse 4 through to 17, John is is shown a future scene in heaven. And this is his confirmation to him and to us that the prayers of the saints would be answered in full. So 7, 14 verse to 17 is actually a parenthesis to what John is seeing and hearing. And after this parenthesis, we continue on in chapter 8. And chapter 8, 1 to 5 is where we have a glimpse of what will happen when the seventh seal is opened. Chapter 8, verse 3, another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. And then in verse 6 of chapter 8, we have the start of the seven trumpets. And what these passages tell us is that there's a link between the four winds and the four angels. You see, in chapter 7, verse 1, and then when we move down to verse 9, These verses are introduced from John by the words, After this I looked. Meaning this, that what John saw next, but it didn't necessarily mean that what he saw would happen next. Now, in the light of this, let me move ahead just for a moment, into Revelation 16 and verse 12. And I want us to notice the similarity with what we read earlier in chapter 9. So first let me read again verse 13 through to 15 of chapter 9, and then I'll read verse 12 from chapter 16 for us to consider this evening. So the passage that we read earlier, From chapter 9. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet. I heard a voice coming from the four horns of the golden altar. That is, before God, it said, The sixth angel who had a trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates, and the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now, here's verse 12 of chapter 16. The sixth 
angel. Notice that. We're back with the sixth angel. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings of the east. So what are we learning from this? We see here a connection between the seven angels, the seven trumpets, the seven bowls. Now the seven bowls, we will look at them uh, later. They reappear in chapter 15, 16 and 17 and again in chapter 21. But when John says, after them I saw or after this I looked, as I've already mentioned, he's referring to the order in which he saw things and not the order in which these things that he saw would be happening. <clears throat> Let me just try and give it a, a little bit of a, an illustration to help us understand this. Now, if I tell you about my holiday that I've recently had, and then you relate the conversation that we have to someone else, you might relate that conversation obviously the same way as I relate it to you. So you might say, Eddie told me how good the accommodation was. After that, he said he did manage to fit everything into the car. Then he said that the traffic from Bersko was heavy and that the rooms in the accommodation were all a good size. And after that, he said that it was the suitcase that he had trouble with when he was trying to load the car. Now, in this conversation... We have the same holiday. That is the theme. The order of the conversation is the accommodation, the journey, the weight of the suitcase. But the chronological order of the event is the weight of the suitcase, the journey, then the accommodation. So what do we have? We have the same event referred to more than once, each time being viewed from a different angle. So I, I hope this will help us to understand the, the difference in the order of what John is shown and the order of which these things will happen. The sixth trumpet and the sixth bowl are the same event. And as we go through Revelation, like the book of Revelation as it unfolds, we see at different times, and each time we have a different perspective. So let's take those thoughts with us as we continue through this book, and let's go back to the passage that we're looking at this evening, chapter 9, 13 through to 15. The persecution of the church has started. It started in the early church. We know that because we've looked what we've looked at previously. The destroyer, who is Satan, is at work. His work will continue on a worldwide scale. Things will get worse as time progresses as the final day of the Lord approaches, and that final day will come. So verse 16 through to 19, we have here, and again, remember, these things are symbolic. We, we have a symbolic uh, telling of the strength of the enemy. Verse 16, the number of the mounted troops is twice 10,000, and 10,000 I heard their number you see from different verse uh, versions 
we get the same thing. Uh, we read the number of the mounted troops was 200 million. And I heard their number. You see, this is not a literal number. It is symbolic, symbolic of a great number, but a great number that is limited. So we come to verse 17 and 18, and the horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like, now notice that phrase again, John says, it looked like, it looked like this, their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue and yellow as silver, their heads, the heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions, and out of the mouths came fire, smoke and sulphur, a third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke and sulphur that came out of the mouths. You see, symbolically here we have the power of the enemy. We have to mention of fire, smoke and sulphur. Fire, very often through scripture, means judgment. Smoke speaks of spiritual darkness and sulphur speaks of death. And we could trace that through the Old Testament when these things appear. And then in verse 19, again, symbolically, we have the power of the horse. We, the power of the horse was in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails were like, again, notice John says that their tails were like snakes having heads with which they inflict injury. You see, out of their mouths, okay, what do we do? We speak with our mouths. And these, uh, what we are seeing, these works of Satan, are speaking words of deception. Words from the deceiver. Words that bring no hope for the sinner and bring false words that can inflict pain on the church. And in verse 20 through 21, we see the results of this. The rest of mankind who were not killed by the plague still did not repent of the work of their hands. They didn't stop worshipping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of the murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality or their theft. You see, for many, it is the day of salvation. Salvation, which many will refuse to take. This reminds me of the words from 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2. This is Paul speaking for, he says... In the time of my favour, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. You see, Paul is relating here to us the voice of Jesus as he speaks and he tells us. In the time of my favour, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. He's speaking about the days of grace, days that we're looking at in the book of Revelation. The Bible is clear that between the ascension of Jesus and his return, the church will suffer. 
They will suffer times of tribulation. We will all have to live through times of suffering, some more than others. Remember when we went through the book of Job? What did we see? Remember how we saw Job, a man who in God's eyes was blameless and upright, fearing God and shunning evil. But we know from that book that Job suffered greatly. And we can ask the question, what was the reason for his suffering? Well, part of the reason was this, that Job's suffering showed Satan that God is worthy. And through Job's suffering, Job knew that God was worthy of his praise. Let me just say that again. You see, Job's suffering showed Satan that God is worthy. And through his suffering, Job knew that God was worthy of his praise. Now, the suffering church continues to show the world that God is worthy. And that the church, through its suffering, knows that God is worthy of its praise. You see the effect on the world and on God's church. Again, let's just turn to the words of Jesus, this time Matthew 24, verse 6. And this is what he said. You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. You know, in our day, we do see wars and we do hear rumours of wars. We see floods and famine. We see nations rise and fall. We see financial institutions collapse. World leaders come and go. And all these things cause us to ask the question, what hope do we have? And the answer is that our hope is in Christ. In the words of the hymn by Edward Mote, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, and I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. You know, as believers, we do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Now they're not my words, they're God's words. I've taken them from 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13 and 18. You probably know these verses, but let me read them to you again this evening. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Now, Paul doesn't say here that the believer will not grieve. We do. We feel the pain and the sorrow. We feel pain and sorrow in many situations that we grieve over. Things that happen in our lives, illness, broken relationship. But what we have is hope. And Paul continues and he says this. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. 
And you know, in these words, Paul then tells us about the fulfillment of the hope that we have. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You know, these words in the book of Revelation that we're looking at are to be an encouragement to every individual person who is in the Lord's universal church. Just stop for a moment, you know, as we draw to a close. Like me, I'm sure that you watched the funeral service of the late Queen Elizabeth II. And during that service, many Bible verses were either read publicly or alluded to. I'd like to finish this evening with these verses from 1 Corinthians 15. I want them to be an encouragement for us tonight as we draw our time together to a close. 1 Corinthians 15, I'm going to read verse 50 through to 58. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not sleep, but we will be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, and the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your sting? Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully in the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Let's pray. Our Father, we do thank you for these words in the book of Revelation. And at times they might cause us to fear, and, and that is good that it does that. But our Father, they are also there to encourage us, to uplift us, and to help us to rejoice in who you are. And our Father, we pray that this evening we will see this, and that we will see it through, yes, the lives of your people, even through the difficult times that they are called to go through. We will see it revealed to us in world events as you show your love to the world, as you showed it by giving your one and only Son. And our Father, we thank you for these, your days of grace, when there is an opportunity for repentance and salvation. 
Father, we ask that these words from this book of Revelation will be an encouragement to your people and to your church as we go together through troubled times as brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Well, just as a footnote this evening, I'm referring to Her Majesty the late Queen Elizabeth and her funeral and her life. There were a great number of scriptures referred to and read in public and heard by many people. Let me just give you a list of those scriptures. John 11, verse 25 to 26. Job 19, verse 25 to 27. 1 Timothy 6, verse 7. Job 1, verse 21. Revelation 14, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20 to 26 and verse 53 to 58. Psalm 42, verse 1 to 7. John 14, 1 to the first part of verse 9. Psalm 34, verse 8. Matthew 6, verse 9 through to 13. Romans 8, and the first, first part of verse 35. 38 and 39. Psalm 121. Revelation 21, verse 1 to 7. And Psalm 103, verse 13 through to 17. Now, Father, we just pray that these verses that went out throughout the world will be a challenge to those who heard them and that through them souls might be saved. We thank you for your written word and we thank you for your living word. <laughs>